Welcome to Story Geometry. As an aspiring novelist and screenwriter, my goal with this podcast is to glean insights on the craft and community of writing from leading professional published writers of our day. My hunch is that their words of wisdom will help you too, wherever you are in your writing career. I'm your host, Ben Hess, and today's theme is origins. I am so excited about the collaboration with literary nonprofit Writing by Writers throughout all of this season one. Their workshops and writing adventures are fantastic, not to be missed. Visit writingxwriters.org for all the details and reserve a spot today. I I like writing. I mean, I hate slash love writing (laughs) is really what I mean to say. And I came down on like, which is not at all true. Writing by Writers co-founder, award-winning writer and teacher, Pam Houston. I hate slash love writing. I I don't know how to be in the world without that way to process the world. I've been doing it since since before I can remember. And I am proud of the books I have written. Pam's the author of the link short story collection Cowboys Are My Weakness and Waltzing the Cat. And the novels, Sighthound, and Contents May Have Shifted. If you haven't read any of her work yet, Pause my voice now, record a voice memo reminder, or add her to your Goodreads list. All set? I also hate slash love writing, as there's just no way around it. Writing is a solitary sport. Hours and hours and hours of sculpting, molding, shaping, wrestling language into plot, dialogue, exposition, and description, all to create the most powerful, impactful story you can. This is the craft, the struggle we're going to explore throughout this series, under the assumption that those hours of work are distributed over several days or weeks or even months due to other responsibilities, other commitments, including travel. I spent a decade going to Bhutan and Tibet and uh, lots of places in Asia. And so that's been really important to the writing. It's also been really important to my understanding of the world and the planet. Pam's Contents May Have Shifted is a very personal novel featuring 144 vignettes capturing the wildly chaotic stress and joy and challenges of travel to such places as Bhutan, Newfoundland, Patagonia, Tibet, Tunisia, and Iceland. We chatted in her Davis, California living room, surrounded by over 200 pounds of canine love, Pam's two Irish wolfhounds, Livy and William. So all this travel adventure stewardship of craft uh how does a girl from new jersey become such a an explorer and such such a writer wow if you were from new jersey you would know that that's what people from new jersey do um they they try they try to leave you know my parents were great travelers my parents often get a hard time in my telling about them but one thing i can say for them that was unequivocally positive is they were travelers Um, They didn't travel far because they didn't imagine traveling far. But honestly, like every time we had $10 or 10 minutes, we were in the car, you know, usually driving south down the 95, you know, toward a beach, you know, and they, my dad loved traveling. After my mother died, my dad lived for about another 15 years and he did a lot of traveling. He went to Italy and, you know, places he had only dreamed about. But we were road trippers. We were all about new destinations. And we were as happy as we ever were as a family traveling. 
I also grew up road tripping with my parents during summers over Thanksgiving and the December holiday season, which is where, as an only child, I read. And read and read. This was, of course, pre-internet, pre-Walkman even, so I'd be sprawled out in the backseat reading, letting the power of story take me away from the oppressive southern humidity. And as the miles and hours slid by, I'd imagine myself solving mysteries right alongside Frank and Joe Hardy or the three investigators or Encyclopedia Brown. It's so much the shape of my life, like all these trips and all these explorations into the other. For a while, that was the West, you know, because I grew up in the East and the other was the West. And I couldn't have been more um, smitten and engaged and excited about the otherness of the West. And then when I sort of became a Westerner, um, the other became Alaska. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it kind of became Asia, because that was really other in all kinds of new ways. Through this travel, Pam framed a method to capture these amazing experiences into her own writing, which she often teaches in her workshops. Here she is presenting to me and 40 other aspiring writers at the rustic Colorado Chautauqua Lodge in Boulder. My work is is deeply engaged with what I would call the physical world. Sometimes that's the outdoors, often it is, but not always. Um, But for me, all writing begins in the physical world. It, it, I don't sit around like I think some writers do and imagine worlds in my head or imagine problems. Stories never come to me as, oh, what if? There is never a what if in, in my mind. The way I get my stories is that, is, is, is by noticing is by noticing things that actually take place, things that actually happen out in the physical world. So I always think that my first job as a writer is to pay very strict attention. And writing down what I call glimmers, which are just moments, scenes, lines of dialogue, images, uh, mini stories. And and I, I really just collect them. I collect them and I don't, I try not to think too much about which ones go together or what they mean or how they're going to work. I just keep a collection of them and then there reaches a kind of critical mass and it's time to start a story or it's time to start an essay or or not or they just stay in a folder called glimmers in my computer. So I have all these glimmers and and I and I honestly don't worry about too much like are they getting used or are they not getting used or am I going to remember? I mean that's what the computer's for to be our memory. And, and then when it's time to write something, like instead of sitting down and like trying to think of a first sentence, I just go into these files and start looking at the glimmers. Many of us don't have these incredible global experiences to pull from, but even then, our own neighborhoods, our own hometowns can give us a start. My parents and all of my family, besides my particular family, are from small towns, small Midwestern towns. Award-winning fiction writer and teacher. Alan Heathcock. And I spent a significant amount of time in small towns. I started off as a writer writing about uh, the south side of Chicago, where I'm from, Hazelcrest. Alan and I talked about his collection of short stories, Volt, outside on a chilly morning at the Chautauqua Lodge. Volt was a best book selection from numerous newspapers and magazines, including GQ, Publishers Weekly, and Salon. 
It was also named as a New York Times editor's choice, as well as a finalist for the Barnes & Noble Discover Prize. And the very first workshop, I workshop a story, someone told me, man, why are you writing about this stuff? You should write about something you know about. And that's <laughs> because I'm a Caucasian man. They, they're like, you don't know about this place. I found I was able to write a story that would speak to kind of a homogeneity of what small towns in America look mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. I, I, would not, I could write it in a way that it would not have to be regional, when I, I have this town Crafton, and I never say where it is. No, right, you don't. Right. And that's very much intentional because mm -hmm. I, I'm not really interested in writing about place, meaning... Like, a specific place. Like Indiana versus Ohio versus Iowa versus Louisiana. Right, right. Matter of fact, one of the first stories I published, I had said in the story that it was from Indiana, and I remember getting hate mail from Indiana. <laughs> and I'm like, well, wait a second. I'm not. Lesson learned. I just need to put it somewhere. And like, I'm not even trying to say anything about Indiana. Um, so I started writing about just Crafton. This reminds me of Stephen King's Castle Rock, Kurt Vonnegut's Ilium, or my beloved Bayport, hometown of the Hardy Boys. And it, it allowed me to make a commentary about uh, maybe America, but certainly just the human interaction, which is the thing that I'm most interested in. Now that I find, there's a common thread. And I know this now that I've traveled all around the country. I've traveled to 49 out of 50 states with the book. And everywhere I go, there are people who say, you know, this story is in this place, and mm -hmm. they try to guess where it's at. And I had someone who was on Martha's Vineyard saying, <laughs> no. hey, you, you took some stuff from here, didn't you? <laughs> and I found it fascinating that all parts of the country, <laughs> that um, people have claimed it. And if you read reviews of the book, too, they're trying to claim it for different... Because I live in Idaho, it's a Western town. Because I grew up in the Midwest, it's Midwestern. Uh, because it has some temperament of Southern literature, that it's Southern. I like that. I like that. Clearly, if our story's primary location is relatable and identifiable, like Crafton, we are well on our way to seducing the reader, to drawing them in. Writer, speaker, and naturalist Gary Ferguson also paints location with lush description. His latest book, The Carry Home, Lessons from the American Wilderness, is a lyrical, powerful memoir. The Carry Home is sort of a double entendre. I carried James Ashes literally home in our old 79 Chevy van. But the carry uh, term also refers to the portaging that's done around um, unrunnable places for canoeists, which was appropriate to this book as well since she died in a canoeing accident. The Carry Home was my title, one of only probably four out of okay. 23 books that have that's actually made it to, to the jacket, so I'm, I'm very proud of that. Lessons from the American Wilderness was a suggestion the editor made, and yes, I, you know, I, I have to agree, it's appropriate because a, a lot of what I've learned, how to draw out beauty, community, and mystery, have come to me in the times I've been in wilderness. As titles are quite important, and us writers labor over them, let me stop Gary there for a brief aside about our name, Story Geometry. It originated late at night over a California Pinot with Pam and Writing by Writers co-founder Karen Nelson. And as we talked, I was reminded of this. I loved geometry as a kid. It was the sort of the last math that I loved <laughs> when I went on my English bent after that. Um, and for me, stories are are really physical things. You know, they they have a, a shape 
They have a, a depth. They, they are really 3D in my mind when I'm writing them. Unlike Pam, I didn't get along with geometry all that well. I think of geometric figures in relation to the story to help me understand the story's structure. Sometimes the structures are more complicated and sometimes it's, it's quite simple. Like I, I think about stories as like two intersecting triangles or, or a rhombus or um, a parallelogram. I, I don't ever think about plot. I don't even really ever think about characters until many revisions down the road. You know, I'm thinking about form. I'm thinking about what is the shape of the story. If this story were a sculpture, what would it look like? What would its geometry be? Thus, the series just had to be called Story Geometry. Not a title I ever would have considered on my own, which is another testament to the power of community. Speaking of, to help prompt consistency in my own sputtering fiction and screenplays, I joined a virtual writing community that I met while producing this very podcast at the Writing by Writers Workshop in Boulder, Colorado. Despite the very time zones, we've been damn diligent about meeting on Google Hangout and providing feedback on each other's work. So huge shout out and props. Thanks, Megan, Jen, and Melissa. And I am not submitting next week. Just to be clear, this podcast thing takes time. As Gary Ferguson and I continued our chat, several Writing by Writer students filed past on their way to more words of wisdom. I want to talk to you about your boyhood. And in reading the book, your boyhood seemed chaotic and full of escape to me. And I'm wondering what you read as a boy during that time, or if you have any memory of what you were reading back then. I actually do. I went down to the River Park Branch Library about seven blocks from my house on Mishawaka Avenue and went into those old dusty, musty stacks and first pulled out, I'd say, a number of Sigurd Olson books, uh, the writer and conservationist from Wisconsin who went on all these great canoe adventures. From there, I went into other writers, men and women from the North Woods. Eventually, as I got a little older, high school, uh, freshman in high school, I discovered John Steinbeck and the Grapes of Wrath and the power of landscape in story. I also escaped into stories throughout boyhood and not just on road trips either. Primarily fiction, and I remember some multiple sclerosis readathon sponsored by the local library. This is a summer contest, and I'd asked my family members and their friends and coworkers to sign up and donate a certain amount per book read. Now, much to the dismay of my supporters, I read over 70 books that summer. Yeah, there was a lot of escape. There were some tough circumstances that I grew up in with, with uh, uh, my mom. And uh, climbing trees and going out into nature was a great relief. It allowed me to sort of um, feel like I was a part of something uh, that wasn't judging me. There was great peace and calm that came from it. And uh, uh, it went from there. I am curious. You wrote about your mom's end and, t and caring for her at the end and despite all the pain that she had caused as a boy I, I just wonder how you came to a place where you you could be there for her 
I don't know, that was probably an act of grace. Uh, I, I came to understand my mom's own circumstances when she was young, having been orphaned when she was 13, and uh, I think probably had some abuse issues that she was wrestling with. Uh, at one point, uh, I discovered that she had, um, her, when her father died after her, and then her mother, shortly after, had been sort of put up for adoption, and one of the uncles came in and took her brother after they had made a pact to stay together and never be separated, took her brother who was named Junior and looked right at my mom and said, uh, well, we can't use her. And so she was sort of in this limbo for quite a while until a, an aunt took her in. And so she had her own sense of pain and disruption and chaos and uh, need for control. And uh, for some reason, by understanding her own path, I was able to sort of forgive her, at least to some degree, um, what, what she unfortunately chose to, to lay on, on me the carry home you mentioned beauty community and mystery is the three elements of story and i'm just wondering when did you hit on those three core pieces is that something from decades ago or is that kind of a more recent discovery or how would you define the breakdown well back in the late 1980s i was doing a book called spirits of the wild which required me to sift through probably 1500 1600 stories from every continent on the planet about how different aspects of nature came to be, fanciful tales. But as I was reviewing those, those many, many, many tales, after several hundred, it dawned on me that these storytellers, some of them from a couple thousand years ago, were repeatedly suggesting that if we as humans want to live well in the world, we had to keep a relationship with three qualities. Mm -hmm. And they were beauty, community, and mystery. And likewise, that the the problems that humans have the stuckness that we sometimes get into is probably due to us having lost our relationship especially when it came to grief and tragedy and moving through difficult periods in our lives fiction versus nonfiction versus memoir do you ever see yourself writing fiction or do you read fiction I read fiction all the time I dabble a little bit in it but n I've never gotten serious enough to to try to to, to approach it. Like Pam, I tend to draw the fodder for my creations from actual experience. I'm not necessarily wired in a way that makes it easy for me to just imagine entire worlds as fiction writers must do, based on their own lives and experience, of course. But nonetheless, I like to go out, have great encounters with people of all backgrounds, all, all sorts of people, and then from those, you know, build build my framework for my stories. So I think I'll always be uh, inclined to write creative nonfiction. What advice would you give those of us not yet published or just starting out? I do want to tell those people who are writing that the act of storytelling is one of the great services they can do for themselves as well as for anyone they run across. Story is how we make sense of the world. Story is how we grow. Story is how we share who we are with the rest of the world. And for those writers who are here and those writers who are out there plugging away on their lonesome, even if they only share their work with the family, they're still, they're still anchoring a great part of who they are and they're building relationship with the world. And that's really, I think, the task of life. Story is how we make sense of the world. Story is how we grow. Story is how we share who we are with the rest of the world. I cannot think of a better way to end our pilot episode. Produced and edited by yours truly, Ben Hess. Our theme music is from the amazing composer and sound designer Mark Hodgkin at Mark, M-A-R-K-H-O-D-G-K-I-N dot com. And our logo was designed by Thatcher Warwick Hess. Special thanks. 
Karen Nelson and Pam Houston of Writing by Writers and all the attendees of the April 2015 workshop in glorious Boulder, Colorado. Reminder, explore the amazing upcoming events and adventures on writingxwriters.org. Again, warm thank yous to Gary Ferguson and Alan Heathcock for sitting down and sharing more about their work and their process. Story geometry is indeed brand spanking new. We need your button pushes, those shares, the likes, tags, emails, and <clears throat> five-star iTunes ratings would be lovely. Everything's greatly appreciated as we get this show out into the world. We'd love to hear your favorite road trip reading stories. Facebook.com slash storygeometry or email hello at storygeometry.org. And if so inclined, I'm Ben Hess on Twitter. We're using the hashtag StoryGeo, so you can tag us that way to promote the show. You won't want to miss the next episode featuring the writing and teaching life with more insights from Pam Houston, Gary Ferguson, and Alan Heathcock. And be on the lookout for future words of storytelling wisdom from New York Times bestselling author Tom Barbash, Grub Street National Book Prize winner Josh Weil, National Book Award winner Mark Doty, National Book Award finalist Dorothy Allison, and writer, teacher, and self-proclaimed very good swimmer Lydia Yuknovich, among several others. And a tremendous premiere episode thank you for all the extra audio production support, advice, consultation over these past months to Caitlin Bogucki, David Boyer, Fred Drews, Peter Finch, Whitney Henry Lester, Adele Howland, Trey Kay, Christina Maldonado, Roman Mars, St. John McKay, Carl Olson, Walter Patrician, Matthew Price, Phil Turner, Benjamin Walker, Helen Zaltzman, Sue Zizza, and I am sure there are a few others in my new audio world that I've left out, but thank you. Thank you. Until next time, may your fingers dance across the keyboard as you discover the arc and the circumference of your story. Thanks for listening.